you're listening to the Mito Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And today we have two special guests. We have Cindy and Seth. Cindy, would you like to start? Sure. Hi, I'm Cindy Cruz, and I'm mom to this guy. This is Seth Cruz, and he's 30. Oh, sorry. You tell about yourself. <laughs> All right. When's your birthday, Seth? Uh, June 3rd. Oh, you just turned 30. Yes. Happy birthday. Belated. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because the uh, aforementioned caregiver I mentioned, her mom bakes quite a bit. And um, so. What'd she make for you? Pretty much. I don't know if you guys watch like. Um, Jeff Goldman baking shows or whatever, but um, she baked me kind of a hamburger cake. Wow, so that's super cool. You know, I I used to bake, and then I started watching Nailed It, and then all of a sudden my baking skills went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't you guys go ahead and tell us a little about your journey, how it, how it started. Okay. Well, Seth was born in 1991, way back in 1991, right, buddy? And um, uh, Seth was kind of um, immature neurologically. He was very uh, jerky to sounds and very fussy. Um, Still, well, that's true. <laughs> And he also had really bad colic. So those things didn't tell us anything in particular. Um, And then as time passed, he had some speech issues, delays, motor delays. Um, And then when he was three and a half, he had his first seizure. So he also had really terrible asthma. We kept saying, are any of these things related? Oh, no, he's fine. He's just on the late end of normal. There's, There's nothing to worry about. There's no connection. We kept asking about that. (laughs) And then um, he had the first seizure. And then when he was about seven years old, he started having trouble getting up off the floor. And I went into the neurologist's appointment and the neurologist's face dropped. And I thought, oh, bummer. We all know that feeling when the doctor looks like that. And he said, mind you, this was back in about 1998. And he said, you know, there's this new disorder that's being um, diagnosed. And I don't think Seth has it, but I've had like six patients this year that I've had tested come back positive. And because I was asking, do you think it's muscular dystrophy? Because of course I had searched what happens when you lose muscles, right? Mm -hmm. So I had asked about muscular dystrophy and he said, well, let's check for both. So they did blood work and they also set up the first of his two in the end muscle biopsies, but that muscle biopsy occurred. And then we waited for nine months for results. Nine months later, we get the call saying that um, in fact, he had shown to be deficient in um, complex three and that there weren't very many cases of it. Well, there weren't very many cases of any mitochondrial disease known about at the time. And so that is when our 
um, education about mitochondrial disease started. I can't imagine how, I mean, that that's just so crazy going from having the few signs that you saw when he was a baby to being three and a half and then showing some more signs and then not really getting a diagnosis until he was almost eight. Right. Right around eight. Right. Things have uh, changed vastly, but I still feel for all the families who don't get to a doctor who even know to think about it. Um, and so I think there are still many people who go through this doctors, not connecting the dots, not knowing that if there's multiple systems involved to think mitochondrial disease. And so as parents, when we kept saying, is this a concern that there's something that's connecting all of these problems and to just be told, no, no, no. Even when I asked for speech therapy for him at three, they were like, no, it, you know, he's not really that far behind. It's going to come around. So we didn't really start getting services until he went to developmental kindergarten. And um, again, then he started losing the muscle strength at about seven. So that's kind of his early history. We had another son who was five years, born five years after Seth and also had speech delays, also had muscle well, motor delays, perhaps. And then when he started having seizures at three years old, I knew that also he had the mitochondrial disease. Now, fast forward, uh, the two cases are extremely different. Uh, Seth is uh, greatly impacted every day. Um, he's very verbal and very interactive, but his whole life is impacted by his mitochondrial disease. On the other hand, our other son, Ben, just graduated with a 4.0 with his master's in education and is a teacher. So um, things can be very different. And a lot of that is based yeah, on, and he's married and he's a dog daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and things, things can be very different in the course of the mitochondrial disease based upon what bumps in the road come along. Seth had terrible asthma and that was just one knock after another that the mitochondrial mitochondria can't necessarily recover from. And so there's some damage that has stayed. I think um, with many of the families that we've spoken to at the beginning, there's so much dismissal of the different symptoms and just, oh, you know, developmentally, we just need to give them more time and things like that. And yeah, it's definitely dependent upon the doctors that you come into contact with, whether um, they've experienced mitochondrial disease, they've had patients with it, they know about it, um, whether they can lead you in the right direction or not. And if you don't, unfortunately, many families, it takes them years and years and years to get yes. into this. Yes. So both your sons have the exact same diagnosis? So we have never had um, muscle biopsies done on Benjamin because it just seems kind of unnecessary since they both have the same full genetic makeup. Um, in terms of Seth's, diag Seth's diagnose, not diagnosis, the first muscle biopsy showed the complex three deficiency. And in the second muscle biopsy that was actually done there with Dr. Haas, um, the second muscle biopsy that was done uh, proved to show a complex, I'm sorry, COQ10 deficiency. 
So uh, Dr. Haas and Dr. I can't remember his name. He was from New York. He's retired by now. Um, he, they had communication. Uh, no, not a different doctor that you don't know. Um, had conversations. They looked at his um, muscle biopsy from the first muscle biopsy in 1998. And that also showed COQ10 deficiency. So it is believed because COQ10 is an earlier process than the complex three, that that is probably the one that is the initial um, cause of the problem. Seth has had genetic testing and his genetic testing came back nothing, just meaning that they haven't found the gene for Seth's specific situation. Okay. And is Seth on a mito cocktail or on any medications and all, all that fun? I'm on a list that's as long as California. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yes, he takes COQ10, of course, because that's his deficiency. He takes uh, carnitine. He takes B2 riboflavin. He takes, oh, so many things. Then he has intractable seizures. And so he is on three In seizure fact, meds. One nearly, um, if I may, um, shortly, one seizure landed me in the ICU and whatnot for a period of time. And you're on um, the ventilator for 12 days after a status. It, this was when he was just almost 21. So we really came close to losing him then. Right, but mm -hmm. you're back and kicking. Seth, mm -hmm. you sound like you're a miracle to me. Absolutely. Isn't that what we tell you yeah, all the time? It hasn't always been easy, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, can I ask you a question? Sure. What is your day-to-day -day life like? I would say I definitely want to be more active, more um, like I want to do some more things I like to do, like go to parks and be probably in, you know, be able to work out, you know. Tell them what happened last year and then why do you, why are we limiting your activities now? If you could tell them those two things. What happened to you last year besides COVID? It's, well, it's funny because last year, I ended up spending a long period of time, like a year actually. Ten months. Um, in recovery from broken leg. Oh um, no. Um, Basically bedridden, bedridden for ten months. You know, and were you know, trying to run hurdles? <laughs> no, I was trying to first. You broke of, it twice. Same way. Get away from 
like dumps in our yard the first time and then um walk romantically go on a romantic walk with my uh girlfriend at the time still yeah and well we were newer then yes (laughs) we were on a sidewalk and you know so Oh, the dog quit me. So both times involved a dog. Oh wow! <laughs> so sorry. So that's why he was very inactive last year. So now that he's able to walk around on his leg, he wants to do more. But then we have another issue. What's the trigger that's happening with you for your seizures lately? Well, it's not just lately. It's been sort of. Um, even before COVID, like during my special needs music program, places to the village, um, at least two big seizures happened when I was standing up and um, trying to walk during the event, ended up on my face flat, you know, and um, pretty much had to be medevac to the hospital and so but we think that an over sort of stimulation not just by music and but also I think motion right because he likes to play uh, air guitar so or (laughs) and that's he gets very sweaty so he's not only activity, but the music is stimulating his brain to have seizures. So we have to go careful with that. And also even just walking, going for a walk can cause the seizures. So that's why he says he wants to be more active because of last year and the seizure triggers that he's experiencing right now. Yeah, I can understand that. That must be very scary. I'm sorry that that is occurring. So have they changed your seizure medication, the dosage, or how are they man- trying to manage? Um, well, he had not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago, started a brand new seizure drug, which is actually a cousin to Keppra, but it's a brand new one called Briviact. And um, we're still in the process of increasing that one. Um, it's a little worrisome because we're at the end of the line with the drugs and we are now on currently on three and we still don't have control. So uh, that's a challenge, but uh, we're still having hope that we're going to get some control uh, with this blend of drugs. Right. Yeah, I I hope so. I know uh, my son is, He's 13. He's growing like a weed. Um, he's now taller than I am. And he started, he didn't have seizures for almost seven years. And now that he's going through this huge growth spurt, he's having them every about three months. Thankfully, they're just absent seizures, but same thing, trying to figure out um, to increase the dosage and how much he can actually take. And so it's, it's a little bit of a stressful situation, but I hope they do figure out for you so that you can be more active and do those things. Yeah. Does he have what I call buzzes or small seizures? Um, 
he has had, um, which forgive me because I will not remember the names, but he has had oh, grand mal seizures when he was younger. Yeah. Um, he had a couple well, of those. Uh, what scare me the most. Yeah, and they were very scary. And the two that he did have, one he stopped breathing and it was extremely scary. Um, thankfully, um, all that we've seen in the last probably nine years are just absent seizures where he just stares out and is super focused and does not respond to anything and it doesn't last very long. So I'm, very, I'm thankful they're those small seizures, um, but they're, they're all still scary no matter, no matter what. Yes. Yeah. And Seth has these smaller seizures, which he calls buzzes because that's the feeling he experiences. Oh, he feels. Oh, uh -huh. And sometimes those are precursors to the big grandmas. Um, and when he has a grandma, his brain is not responding properly to start breathing again. And so, uh, yeah, that's a challenging situation. Or even talking, you know, and, yeah. and recommend that he has what I have, which are like a life alert button or the little. You, yeah. You don't know thing, about these? You know, uh, help him out. Yeah, and Troy um, is nonverbal and he can't walk on his own. So he is he is attached to my hip 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> so she is his alert. That's kind of what I tell Yeah, you. pretty much. When I, we don't I, have the technology. He does I'm have a medical. Alert. Yeah, he does have a medical bracelet. And definitely we, yes, if, if he were ever by himself or somewhere, if that point arose, which I hope someday it does, he's able to do that and be independent. Um, that's a good, that's an excellent idea. I do want to tell folks who are watching that do have children who are sometimes away from their presence, that what Seth was showing you on his wrist is called an embrace. This is the embrace too. And this is a seizure monitor. I don't know if you've heard or know about them, but this is, um, what it does is it sends a text to me and whoever else is activated as his caregiver. If, if and when he has a grandma, it does not count the small ones because it relies on things like temperature, things like heart rate, things like um, a mo movement. Sometimes it'll go off as a false alarm, for example, if we're going down our gravel driveway. Uh, but um, that is really a life-saving piece of equipment that can help if you, for example, it's even helped us when he's just in his bedroom and we can't see him and then he's having a seizure and we don't know. So that's really something for people to look at. And that's called an embrace. Embrace. Okay. We'll have can to you, Can you yeah, show Seth, hold it up? So um, you can see the little red kind of X. And the reason that's red X is because his phone is down on his desk, so it's not connected. So that's telling you. But if he was having a grand mall, it would start spinning and then it starts sending texts and phone calls. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's And it gives the GPS location. That's so if you didn't know exactly where your child was, you would be able to locate or adult. It's helpful for adults who try to live, who live alone, which Seth did for a while with a caregiver. And it was helpful in that situation. He's gotten to the point where he can't live away from us because of the type of seizures he's having. But um, it's a, a great piece of equipment. And I don't think enough in the people in the epilepsy and mitochondrial world know about it. 
Um, we'll have to put that information on with this um, episode so that people sure. can look that up. Yeah, and I wanted to say for our, the people that are listening rather than watching, um, but that what we were just looking at, it kind of looks like an Apple watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, and, and if you're an Android user, it actually looks, I think, more like my, my watch. It's an Android. But it has, um, when you when you do all your steps for the day and you get those fancy little circles that swirl around on your watch, that's kind of what it looked like. It had right. red dots on it and it showed you the shape and, and it just, it looks very fashionable, Seth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> most people just I think it's a fit Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I should have that too. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, that that was what was also good about it is that it blends in. So it doesn't, if, if some, even it's if someone just what oh, was that? Necklace couldn't tell you when I'm lost. So you know. Seth also has this, which is a safety alert monitor that he wears around his neck. And this this is a life alert button. If he presses this because he's having a buzz, then it's the safety alert awesome. people will call us. It's like a cell phone. So it reaches to their, um, their uh, central location and they call and say, Seth, are you doing okay? It will come right over the speaker. And if he doesn't respond, they will call me. And that happened before as well when he was in his bedroom and I didn't know he was ceasing. Oh, wow. So we use this technology to try to keep him safe. Mm -hmm. And I also use cameras in his room because lots of times I see things and he's not able to either press the button or call out for help or anything. So we do use technology to try to keep him safe. Absolutely, absolutely. Those are all amazing suggestions. and again, for our listeners, the what Seth has around his neck, it kind of looks like an old-fashioned small iPod. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Except for you can talk to it. <laughs> <laughs> if only we played music for you, right? Yeah, I, know. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but those are those are all great suggestions for any family, um, especially if if you just have seizures as well, not just necessarily Mito, but exactly illness that causes it, you would need an alert like that. That's, that's awesome. Exactly. Um, Seth, what about like any therapies or school or what else do you, what else do you got going on? I'm, do you want to tell about the Alyssa Burnett Center? I do pretty much the Alyssa Burnett Center. It's like a, well, first of all, I did also, um, can you lean into your mom for me? There, there you we go. go. <laughs> now I can see it. Go ahead. I did um, young life too, and special needs young life. Um, but you aged out, unfortunately. But the Alyssa Burnett's a little more of a mainstream program for people with uh, autism and other disabilities. And um, it's operated by Seattle Children's Hospital. Um, Your other diagnosis is autism, correct? Yes. Okay. Is there, um, do you have any other um, diagnosis other than autism and mito and seizures, obviously? Depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Keep going, buddy. You're um, doing good. 
GI issues, bladder issues. Do we have to put these on? It's okay. We talk about yeah, everything. We talk about them all the time. <laughs> um, vision, hearing, which were also um, impacted when I was in the, um, or after, I should say, um, the ventilator. Yeah, he had damage to his, in, uh, his inner ear, the uh, balance center. And so now balance is really a difficult issue for Seth. Got it. Anything else that you face just off the top of your I'm head? Going to use CPAP too. Oh, CPAP. You said earlier that you also had, did I hear you correctly? You have music therapy? Um, it wasn't a therapy, it was more of a, um, it's more like a actual, I have had music therapy, but um, it's more like an actual band, like a rock band that includes a leader and, you know, basically a bunch of more open, I guess. Than, adults with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely love it. I mean, they do well, they used to do small gigs, but they change now. And so now they have some performance or they do it outdoors so that everyone is safe. And they have a music leader who comes and kind of runs the show. They bring professional equipment and um, they play songs and all of the special need play people either dance or sing or play an instrument right along. And it's the greatest time. Seth oh, loves cool. it. That's okay. So that's called Voices of the Village and it's in Arlington in Washington state. Wow. Is there an instrument that is your favorite? I do play guitar, but it's been in quarantine for way too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys are in Virginia or um, Washington State? In Washington State. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know you'd mentioned that you had testing done with Dr. Haas, so I started to get confused on <laughs> where you, you know, guys. We are. just went for a visit. We we went through their. Uh, testing protocol when he was, gosh, it was probably when he was nine or 10 years old, something like that. Okay. And do you have an actual Mito doctor in your area or no? So our great doctor, Mito doctor was Dr. Sinedo. He is still at Seattle Children's and he is fabulous. Um, Seth has aged out of Seattle Children's and he sees a geneticist at um, the University of Washington, but it, it's not really the same kind of um, uh, uh, like he doesn't oversee as much. We, we check in with him once a year, um, but Dr. Senado is a different kind of a doctor where he really kind of helped oversee all of the aspects, what specialists you need to see. And you could email him with questions, you know, so it's just a different kind of situation. And so many people, 
all across the country face this when they, um, if they can get a diagnosis as a child, then if they age out of their system, it's really a challenge to get medical care. I didn't know you could, with a diagnosis like this, I didn't know you could age out. I thought that there were certain diagnoses that if you have them, they ha- they're required to keep you because there's no other so, um, I had this conversation with the CEO of Seattle Children's a couple years ago at a mitochondrial research guild um, auction, which we can discuss that organization too. That's an amazing organization um, that works for Seattle Children's Hospital. But I was discussing this with him and he had come from a different hospital that did keep their patients even after 21. And he was moving or was thinking that the, at some point Seattle Children's may move to more of a model like that. Um, and it's possible that they have, and we've already moved on and I don't know it, um, but I haven't heard that feedback from any of the local families. So I'm not sure what they do currently. I think the, I think all of the patients of Dr. Senado are being uh, moved over to Dr. Chan Prasett, I think that's his name at um, the University of Washington. Okay, and that might be just a total assumption on my part, um, because when I was in the hospital with Angie, the nurses were talking about um, other kids, not necessarily that had mito, but had heart conditions, right. and that so the hospital like they they would still see the same people that they had someone there that was like forty. So um, I just I guess I just assumed. So that's a it's a really good point to bring up that every children's hospital would be different, which I, I I'm kind of shocked because I would imagine yes. something like this. This isn't something that you can it doesn't you don't age out of it. <laughs> right. Um, it's really a big issue and it's really a big challenge. Um, yeah. And we are still involved heavily with uh, Seattle Children's Hospital in terms of um the guild that we have worked with, um, I'm not actively involved in it right now, but uh, 20 years ago, um, I met another family. This is kind of an interesting story. I met another family because I wrote an article that was actually published in the Seattle Times about what it's like to have a special needs child. They put a call out for that kind of an article and I responded with a little short article. And a lady who lived in the same town as me read the article and found my name in the phone book and called me. And that's how we made first made contact. So she, mostly she, but myself and another family joined and made this guild. And this guild has now raised over $2 million in 20 years for mitochondrial research at Seattle Children's Hospital. So um, I'm really proud of that organization and the work that they have done. And we're about to have our auction next month, the 20th. It'll be virtual this year, but. Yes. Yes. Is there a website that. um... Yes, there is. If you Google, um, if they, if you Google mitochondrial research guild, it'll pull, pull it up because it's a, there's a hyphen in there. I'm not exactly sure where it is off the top of my head, but mitochondrial research guild of Seattle children's hospital. Um, and it'll pop up. Um, it's just been a great thing for us. I think the most important thing has been knowing other people that are facing similar challenges 
and every story is different. However, we all have to face the fact that you get a mitochondrial diagnosis at some point. And um, Seth is kind of, I think you are the oldest one in the entire group. Um, and then there's some others in their twenties. So, um, and there's, we, in just our group, we have lost, I would say at least four or five children. Um, some of them have died as babies and some as older. Um, but there's also people like my other son, Ben and, uh, Jill's, uh, girls who are doing just great. And that's a testament to good medical care. And we're grateful for that. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to share? Seth, do you want to say anything else? Pretty much. I mean, I've met not only Mito people, but people in South Syndrome worlds and, you know, other people in the Some of them have become best friends through doing Special Olympics. And um, so, of course, I'd like to do that again, but it's complicated now. Yeah. You know what, Seth? I'm pretty impressed with you. Absolutely. (laughs) He's a pretty fun guy. (laughs) I wish we could hang out. I know. You both <laughs> I know that'd be awesome. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> well, Megan, did you have anything, any more questions or anything you want to add? No, no. I, I, like Ashley said, you both seem so much fun. And Seth, I'm very impressed with you. And, you know, having a, a son with Mito, it's, it's wonderful to see that you're thriving. And of course there's complications and things like that that come along but you're still pushing away and that's really good to see so you know thank you (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really hope that in the next year things become a little bit more safe so that if uh, you guys have any plans to go to UMDF conference or anything like that that hopefully maybe we'll be able to meet in person one day that would be fun Mm -hmm. I'll play some air guitar with you. How's that? Perfect. (laughs) Let's have a dance party. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. If you're tuning in, you were just listening to Cindy and Seth Cruz. Um, I am Ashley. And And I'm Megan. Sorry, I threw that one at you. That's okay. (laughs) You can find us on the mitopodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. You can watch this episode on YouTube. And if you have any suggestions for any episodes that you would like to listen to, please email us at mitopodcast at gmail. And you can also message us on any of the social medias that we mentioned prior to. So thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a great day. Bye.